unmute yourself and lead others. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. Guys, I am so excited. My friend, Rachel Druckenmiller is back. And we got to catch up and dig in on her why behind her courageous thought leadership, entrepreneurial efforts, and her beautiful singing. This girl is fire and on fire. And even though we've only known each other a handful of years, I feel like I've been her fan club the entire time she's built Unmuted. The vulnerability she shares mixed with the wisdom she's absorbed and is sharing with the world is powerful. And today we're learning from her story and inspiring more people to step up into their story and gifts and unmute and lead that unmuted spirit for others to adopt. Let's get with Rachel. Rachel, welcome back to Gut Plus Science, my friend. You know, the last time you were here as a guest on the show, it was before you launched your business, Unmuted. It's like, how? where does the time go? I don't know. We have so much to catch up on. And I was like, how in the heck am I going to pick one topic to talk to her about? There's so many that I would love to dig in on. But I think it's so appropriate to dig in on, you know, you've named your business Unmuted. And we really want to talk about the power of unmuting yourself and leading others in that way. And so what more than that to be the most appropriate topic? So I'd love for you to kick off by sharing with us really the science and reasoning behind why people choose not to speak up or why this is such a prevalent problem so much that you have built your entire business around it. First of all, glad to be back. Excited to be here, have this conversation. And I think there's a couple of things that cause people to silence themselves. So there's a professor out of Harvard University named Dana Jack, and she came up with this concept called self-silencing. And she's done a lot of research in it to find out there's certain things that we tend to silence or not speak up about because or not advocate for. And it's often because of our fear of what other people are going to think of us. It's a fear of being seen as incompetent. It's a fear of being seen as inadequate. It's a fear of, of what if I speak up and what if I get it wrong? What if I speak up and what if I don't get what I want? And I think a lot of what's driving it is fear. And I think the fear shows up as doubt and, and insecurity for people. And so really, when I, if I had to kind of laser in what I'm after, it's to really help people at the core move through these almost these like blocks they have around their insecurity, around doubting themselves and what they're capable of and what they're worth. Because I've struggled with these things myself. So it's like, I'm not coming alongside as like, hey, I'm the expert. I've had this all figured out forever. I'm sharing these things from a place of, I have been there and I know how painful it is to silence yourself when you have something to say, when you have something to share, whether it's a singing, you know, silence myself with my singing as well. And so I think people are just feeling this sense of wanting to break free, but not knowing how. And I want to help them do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd love to dig in a little bit more on your story about why this particular arena has become like your jam, the part that really fires you up. And it's been a personal journey for you that you've lived it and now really understanding like how to identify the blocks that Mm -hmm. really are related to those, the fears that we have inside of us. So We're going to go there with like identifying those blocks and really unpacking that. But before that, can you tell us just a little bit about your story and why this became really like the core for you? Well, you know, I think like a lot of people, when I was a kid, 
we handle chaos in different ways when we're kids, right? We figure out a way to cope with whatever's going on around us. We're not logically thinking through, this is how I'm going to cope with it, but we just find a way to cope with the things that are hard. And so for me, growing up, my parents went through a rough patch in their marriage and I internalized this, I'm sure had certain hardwired tendencies anyway, but I internalized all of that going on around me. And I decided, well, I'm just going to be the good kid. And I'm going to follow the rules. I'm going to do what's expected. I'm going to get good grades. I'm going to have good friends. I'm not going to get in trouble. And I did all of that. And society rewards you for doing all of that. But at the same time, I was experiencing things like fear or sadness or disappointment, or I maybe wanted to communicate that things were hard for me or that I was struggling, but good girls aren't allowed to do that. Like good girls aren't allowed to be sad. They're not allowed to be angry. And so I muted certain emotions in myself. And I also, I feel like muted a lot of the joy inside of myself. So I loved to sing, but I would sing privately with like headphones on, doors closed in one of the rooms in my house. And when it came to singing in front of people, I was like, forget it, no way. Cause it felt way too vulnerable and I was very perfectionistic. And what if my voice breaks? What if I miss a note? Oh my gosh. I just let the anxiety and the fear and the insecurity and the doubt just well up in a way that caused me to silence the thing that brought me joy. Let me tell you, you have the most beautiful voice for anyone that doesn't follow Rachel's amazing (laughs) thought leadership on LinkedIn. You get that, but you also get some amazing singing every once in a while. And it's incredible. I love it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, I did a redemptive song. Let's see. It would have been in yeah, May of 2022, re-singing the song that I sang for my voice recital senior year of high school that I was terrified to get on stage and sing and joined no part of the performance. And now like 20 years later, I can say I'm reclaiming this song. So even still, I'm still unmuting myself, right? It's not like you hit a moment and you're like, done. And so really, I was sick a lot as a kid. I had like chronic ear, nose and throat infections. I had acid reflux for 10 years as an adult. And so it's like I had all of these things that I would suppress whether it was a symptom or whether it was my joy or whether it was my creative expression or whether it was my emotional expression, being hurt in relationships. And I just silenced it and silenced it and silenced it. And I really believe that even from the reflux perspective, that there was a specific fire in my belly that was just like, can you let me out already? Gradually over the past really 20 years, I've sort of worked on each of these areas of my life and I've applied the unmuting you know, to my marriage as well, to my career, advocating for opportunities. It's really across our whole lives, right? It's, our, it's about unmuting our relationships and our jobs and our bodies and our joy and our expression. And so that we have a fuller, more vibrant life and we feel more fully ourselves and that we can show up and do our best. And so for me, that my story has been this unraveling and this unmuting over a period of time, over a series of experiences that I've had where I've sometimes I've been doubtful and sometimes I've had a moment of courage and I've stepped into something like launching a business. Mm. in the midst of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And when I think of the other side, I was just trying to get a visual of the other side of being unmuted. I think of living alive. Yes. And like when people show up at work or show up at, at home or in their relationships and you're just, you're living alive because you don't have these limitations and barriers and like, what if, and how will people think about me? Right. You, you live free and you live alive and like, who doesn't want that? So I'm so excited to dig in a little bit more into like, ideas in particular for our our listeners that are leaders on how to really unlock this in people. But I want to start with, I'm curious, what actions do leaders do? Typically, they may not, might not even know that they're doing it, but it's discouraging people to speak up. Hmm. One, they, I think, will immediately 
if somebody, if they ask for insight, right? Well, first of all, if they even ask for insight. So a lot of times one of the things leaders, they don't do is they don't even ask their people for their insights. They just like go to a core team of people that generally make decisions and they don't go to the people that are going to be most affected by the decision to ask them for their input or to say, Hey, if you could wave your magic wand and change one thing about the way we do this, what would it be? They're not asking that question or, Hey, if you were in my position, you had to make this decision. What's something that I should consider that I'm not considering? Like, you could have people that are interns that might be able to give you input into that, insight into that, right? Like everyone has the potential to contribute something, but we so infrequently ask. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like we're looking at what does this company do in Forbes or in Inc. or in Business Insider? It's like, how about have conversations with your own people? So one of the things they're not doing, I think a lot of times, is having conversations with their own people, humbling themselves, putting themselves in that position of being curious and humble and asking for input. I think that's one thing that leaders could shift in order to help their people to speak up more. I love that. Yes. I think so many times the people that are nearest to the problems have those ideas. Even if they've been working alongside the problem for five days, if you're sitting here working at a very high level, but somebody's on the front lines, hello, no brainer. Like how do we overlook that? So all of us just learn that together. Let's ask more the people that are actually doing those things. Yes. Wonderful reminder. What else do we often do that discourages the speaking up? Yeah. Well, I think leaders, again, because this requires humility, don't ask, hey, is there anything I as a leader could be doing better or differently? Or what's one thing I could change that would make your life better or easier? It would make your work better or easier. What's one thing I could do differently? And to really position it because people are so afraid to give leaders that feedback because they've been burned. It's like, I won't use this against you. Then they get it and use it against you. So you have to be sincere. If you're going to ask, if you're going to be humble, you have to truly be humble and ask that question from a place of genuine curiosity and a desire to learn and grow as a leader, which is not easy because people look to you as being the person that has all the answers. Totally. And who does? Who is this mysterious person that has all the answers? Like, I don't trust somebody who thinks they have all the answers. hundred. Yes. <laughs> not interested. I'm not interested in that. I think another thing that they do is they'll sometimes speak for people. So when I've done, like I did a lot of times do work in with emerging leaders and women leaders, because they tend to most frequently mute themselves and doubt themselves and show up with insecurity. So I was speaking at a conference for electrical engineering, that profession and electrical contracting. And we were talking with the women and talking about times where they felt muted. And they said, sometimes I think my colleague thinks he's being helpful but he speaks for me in meetings. And that's really not helpful. So if you have, if you're listening and you're like, oh, I totally have someone that does that. It's super annoying to have the conversation and say, hey, I really value our relationship. And I know that you're a big advocate for me. And that means so much. Would you be open to me sharing just some feedback and insight based on some experiences that we've had interacting that I think would help us work together even better? and help you advocate for and position me even more effectively? Would you be open? Like, who's going to say no to that? It's such an invitation. And to say, hey, like, I'm sure that when you speak on my, in this meeting, give a specific example. In this meeting, you know, a question was asked and was asked of me, interjected and spoke on my behalf. And I'm sure you didn't intend it, but in the moment, it made me feel perhaps undermined. How did it make you feel, right? Like, how did that experience make you feel? How did the thing that happened and again, focusing on the behavior, not the person. So the experience made me feel or like when that happened, I felt, and I'm sure that wasn't your intent. Here's something that would, in that situation, if we were to replay that, that would make a really big difference in that situation. If you could turn to me, if somebody asked a question, if you could 
just turn to me and let me respond, <laughs> you know, and not speak on my behalf. That would really make a difference. So I think people are well-intentioned when they're doing that, but I don't think they realize that it essentially sabotages the other person's ability to build their own credibility. So good. I feel like we could say, all right, and this is mic drop. Have a great day. Like this stuff right (laughs) here really moves the needle, but a lot of times to the point of saying, this wasn't my intention. Well, our intentions aren't enough, right? So we have to own that. And yes, many times it's not our intention, but that's why we listen to podcasts. And many times I love to ask the question, what is it that we might be doing right now that's contributing to the problem that we might not even know? So here's what Rachel just shared with us. And these things, right? These are needle mover items for driving engagement. I promise you, so good. So asking for insight or input from your people. Hey, how would you solve this? Or what would you do if you were in my position or leading this decision, right? Huge, just the ask, not even the contribution of whatever they share, just that ask of them is such an empowering opportunity to drive engagement of a person. It is huge. One. Two, me as the leader asking, hey, what could I do differently to lead this team better? You know I want to drive engagement. You will know that I want to hopefully build a wonderful culture for our team. Can you help me with with some feedback? I would love to hear your feedback. Like, How powerful is that? That is so big. The next is just stop speaking up for other people in whatever role that you're in. And then it's, it triggered me to think it's kind of in the same arena, but how often do we assume? I used to work in the... Actually, you and I met when I was working in the survey business. You know, We were using technology platforms to gain insight through surveys. And prior to having surveys, many times leaders would say, oh, all of the executive team would sit around a conference table and brainstorm solutions to problems. And it was just all assumptions. And then when we started getting data to guide our decision makings, we would have never come up with those things just sitting around the table. It's like, Oh, geez. And so these four things that we just talked about, I think everyone listening, they're like, well, that was a no brainer, but I'm doing two of those. So take them and and apply those. And I hope that was really helpful because I I think it was amazing. I now want to dive in, Rachel, to really what you were talking about in the beginning and why like the core of your business is what it is. Getting to the root of fear and eliminating the blockers can you kind of break down the process of how we do this as leaders or the buckets, I guess, of things that we need to consider in approaching those blockers or reframing the fear for our people? Yeah. Well, I think warning, warning, this is hard and messy and difficult and super uncomfortable work. (laughs) Sometimes it sucks. Like you have to be willing first and foremost to turn the mirror on yourself. And some days you turn the mirror and you see like a big ugly zit, like right on the tip of your nose. And you're like, oh, I'd rather just cover that up with concealer. (laughs) But the reality is we have to deal with our own stuff before we can really guide other people through how to do that themselves. So I think part of it is acknowledging as a leader, first and foremost, when you're pursuing this conversation, share the experiences that you've had of navigating the things your people have had. For instance, when you were starting out in your career, hey, you may not realize this about me. You may see me now as like CEO or VP or director of HR, whomever. But when I was at this point in my career, or here's this moment that happened where I really screwed up and I had to find a way to redeem myself. Or here's a time when I was really struggling with doubt and insecurity and felt like I didn't belong. And I here's what I did to work through it. People are so encouraged by hearing the stories of other people, especially people they admire that are willing to be vulnerable and share that kind of stuff. 
I mean, it's absolutely powerful. So I think first and foremost, being willing as a leader to do your own work, which for me, I think often requires working with a really good coach and or a therapist. I have both. I have a coach and a therapist. I think people, they're... Me too. They serve different roles, right? Like they serve different roles. Yes, (laughs) totally. And I think that is so important. And a lot of times people just, especially when you, the higher you get to the top of an organization, the scarier it is to unveil anything that might make people question you. But if we can't lead honestly, I don't think we can lead as effectively. Mm -hmm. And so first and foremost, doing some of the work. So there's a book, our friend Rosie Ward introduced me to the work of Bob Keegan and Lisa Leahy out of Harvard and their book, Immunity to Change. So as a leader, if you're listening, you're like, what's a book I could read that would help me navigate some of this stuff? Immunity to change or hiring an immunity to change coach that could help you navigate the process of what are the things you what are your specific blocks? What are the specific limitations that you're putting on yourself? And then ultimately you get to the underlying big assumption beneath that, that helps you find clarity around perhaps why you've not been showing up as, as your fullest. And that varies for people, you know, the reasons why they do these things. Maybe someone's crushing it at work, but they feel they have a lot of insecurity and, and doubt and guilt in their marriage. Like it's, that's real. And that's an opportunity to unmute yourself there as well, to really look at the wholeness, full spectrum of your life and these different buckets and being intentional about seeing, okay, how could I pursue growth in this area? What would it look like for me to pursue growth in my marriage this year? What would it look like for me to pursue growth in terms of finding out what are my shadows, right? My strengths and my shadows by asking for feedback from people that know me well. So I think it starts really fundamentally. And that never ends, by the way. It's not like, oh, I checked self-awareness box. Got it. Oh no, that is a lifelong journey forever and ever. You're continually like iterating that work. Totally. You know, as I'm listening to you now and thinking about your comment about having a coach and a therapist and the different roles and really diving deep and having these introspective opportunities to find the blockers, like it's so much work to do that. And sometimes it totally sucks. But on the other side of it is a journey to living alive, which is back to the first thing I was just thinking about your story of when I sang the song, I think you said your senior year versus putting it out to the world for thousands and thousands on LinkedIn. When you sang it before, it was, I want to do this or I have to do this, but there was a block and a struggle. And, and then you're at this place now where it's like, I am living freely and enjoying the experience of sharing this song. And that is living alive. And to your point of we never arrive, it's never like, check the box. Yep, you are there. It is a constant journey because if you think of your whole life, I talk about this on the show all the time, I see a circle and you break it into eight different pieces or 10. And those are all the different hats that you wear. And every day, something complex comes into one, if not five of those, that then triggers something in the blocker space. And so I really love the takeaway of just helping listeners to consider if you don't have a coach or a consultant or a a therapist, someone in your life that is speaking truth and really helping you to dive deep. I've never said this on the show, but that has been one of the most integral ways for me to change my life is having someone that I trust to be able to really go deep with me. And I mean, many times shedding tears and screaming and whatever, Oh yeah. but to get to those things, because the other side is I want to live alive. I want to feel those things. And so as leaders, we would have to pave that way by doing it in order to lead that for other people. That's just the basics that everyone would agree. Like we have to lead 
what we want others to follow. So yes, gosh, so good. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so much that I still want to keep talking about here. Talk about the importance of as an individual, whether you're a leader, whatever role it is, the importance of knowing and showing your strengths to the world. Mm. So our strengths are these natural sources of goodness and energy inside of us. And if you think about the world has felt like a heavy place for the past couple of years, especially. And when we choose to show up with the things that we do well, with the things that make an impact, with the things that make a difference, with the things that better other people's lives, with the things that make us giddy with excitement, because we're like, oh my gosh, I get so excited, you know, about doing like for me, some of my like strengths are creativity and curiosity and love of learning. Like when I'm learning something new, I'm totally nerding out. And I think this is so fun. Or when I'm building and creating something new, whether I'm writing something or creating a presentation or something, there's this sense of energy that wells up that we feel alive. There's this sense of, I often say that unmuted is to be joyfully alive and courageously expressed. And that's what it is, you know, and that's what we're all after. We don't want to feel numbed out. We don't want to feel checked out. We don't want to feel burned out. We don't want to feel zoomed out, but so many of us do. And one of the reasons, I mean, there's a lot of hard things going on and there's, there's different reasons why people may be in any of those buckets. And we get to choose how we show up. Like no matter what, I love, you know, what Viktor Frankl says, right? There are forces beyond our control can take away everything except our ability, I'm botching it a little bit, but our ability to choose how we will respond to a situation. Like we always get to control that. And so like today I was feeling the past two days, candidly, I was feeling a little bit just lower energy wise, lower mood wise. I was allowing certain thoughts of fear and scarcity and even panic to emerge as I'm thinking about settling on a new house. That's like more expensive than the one that I live in now. And, and just the reality of that and the reality of being a business owner and the reality of being the primary breadwinner in my family. And there's a lot of pressures and stresses on that. But I had a call with my business coach, Chris, this morning. And just being able to share that, he said, you are truly, he's like one of the most honest people that I work with, (laughs) that you'll just like sit with your emotions that are hard, that you don't like. Like you'll sit with all of your emotions and you'll just acknowledge it. And that has been a growth journey for me to get to that place. And I just feel so grateful that I'm in that position now to be able to do that. But it really is, this is a process. It's iterative. And it's not like you've become unmuted and you're like, I never feel constricted or confined or silenced again. It's constantly reevaluating and seeing like, where am I feeling closed off? Where am I feeling stuck? Where am I not feeling alive? Because when we show up with our strengths and we reconnect to them, we reconnect to our joy. We reconnect to the creativity, the curiosity, possibility. That's what I did in the conversation today. And I reconnected to honesty. Honesty is one of my top strengths. And so when I reconnected in that moment to what it feels like for me to be totally honest, that makes me come alive. And so it's just about every people walking around the world, feeling more alive and how that radiates to other people. Mm, so great. I have a reflection question. So listeners, just think for a minute, when was the last time that you were what Rachel was describing? Giddy, highly energized, fired up. Like when was that? What were you doing? And if it takes you too long to think about, or it's like, that was not in recent times, I really want to encourage you to think about how you can lead others to be highly engaged in their work and excited about life and living alive if there's blockers there for you, right? And who wants to 
time goes so freaking fast. I'm like, how is it already June? And how am I already 40? Like how, you know? And so time just flies by and let's not let that go any further. So just a really great reflection question to think about. And a great step is like, who is that person that you could talk to and kind of uncover that with, whether it's a formal therapist or coach or whatever just yet, but talking to someone about it to move the needle on that, I think is so important. And Rachel, I love what you're speaking into regarding strengths and just leaning into those more. One of my favorite tools is Ikigai. If anyone's not familiar, look it up, I-K-I-G-A-I. Really honing into like your strengths and what you know gets you fired up and where you bring the most value to the world and causes that you focus on and things like that. So look at that a little bit if you haven't, if you're not familiar. And Rachel, I know you had mentioned courage and I had already written this question to make sure that I brought this in to our conversation today. I feel like you are one of the most courageous women I know. I've known you for five years-ish, three, four, five, I don't know. And we were talking along your journey of bringing your business to life. And you'd been in the same realm of what you had done for a very long time and were very good at it. Lots of relationships in that. But you, I was walking alongside you as you were stepping outside and building your business, let alone the transformation of like bringing your singing to life and putting it out there for everyone. And all that you've done to really muster up the courage and embrace that, I would love for you to share, being one of the bravest ladies that I know, what are the keys to that? What's rooted there for you? One thing that comes to mind, first of all, thank you. Um, And you've been a part of this. I remember conversations that I had with you at like airports, (laughs) like three or four years ago. I love it. In the midst of this. So one of the things that I talk about often is the importance of, and I posted about this actually yesterday. So May 31st, 2019 was the day that I told my CEO who I had known for almost 20 years that I was leaving my job, September 1st, that I'm out September 1st. It wasn't even a question. It was like, it's courtesy. I'm letting you know (laughs) that I'm going to be gone. And a lot of that, I got two text messages the day that that happened. And so there's a point where I'm going to share these a minute apart. I got two text messages a minute apart while I was in the meeting from two people that do not know each other. And one of them said, Hey, I think you're meeting, like I'm praying for you. have a blessed meeting today. Cause she knew that I was having that meeting. Somebody else texted me and just said such kind things and was basically like, and I think it would really benefit those listening. So if, if I can, there's, I would just love to share somebody else needs I think, to hear the words that he shared with me. And so I would just love, I would love to just share them with the group today. So he said, I think today's your conversation with your CEO. So the next part is what's more relevant to everybody. Be well differentiated. You don't have to prove anything. You don't have to defend any decision. You don't have to convince anyone of anything. Stay focused on the decision you need to make for you and your husband. Be gracious, but courageous. You've got this. Wow. A minute apart. I get the first message. Praying for you have a blessed meeting. 841, 842, ping. I usually don't have my phone out in meetings and I usually have it face down. It was face up for some reason and I saw it out of the corner of my eye and I was like, now is the time. So the point being is the importance of what I refer to as borrowing other people's belief in you. That really helped me. I had people that I worked with, multiple people that I worked with that would say to me at the corporate level and at my local office, one of them said, how long do we have you? After they heard me speak to a group of like 300 people, this was four years ago. How long do we have you? And I was like, what do you mean? I'm trying to make my way up and be like kind of the corporate golden child here on the wellness and send me all over the country. And he's like, you don't need us to do what you want to do. How long do we have you? And I was like, I don't know, two or three years. And then less than a year later, I was like, bye. (laughs) 
So I just had people that did that. They would say things like, you could just do this on your own. I mean, and you were one of the people when I was concerned financially of like, how am I going to, you were like, oh my gosh, you're going to have no problem. You're going to have no problem making money doing this. And I doubted whether or not I would because I've never had to do all of my own, you know, hunting and gathering. And it's been great. Like I've worked really, really hard and I had so many reps in before I left. So part of it was like, I had spoken hundreds and hundreds of times before I left to do this on my own. So I knew that I was a good speaker. Like I knew that the feedback I was getting from people, I'd honed some of my, my skills and, and all of that. I invested in training. I think a lot of it is investing in yourself. I've invested in myself throughout my career. Some things my company would reimburse for, certain tuition or certifications, other things I paid for out of pocket because I truly believed that it would have exponential value over time. So I think making investments in ourselves, I think having people around you that see the potential in you and speak into that is really, really powerful. I think also having clarity, pay attention to what people thank you for. Pay attention to that. Pay attention to the thing, the specific words they use to call out the impact of what you've done. Most people don't do that. They don't pay attention to that. I would pay attention to the specific things people would say, and I would hear them over and over and over again of, oh, that was so refreshing, or that was so engaging, or gosh, you really made me think. Or I'd have people come to sessions and say, oh my gosh, I'd see them six months later after your workshop about burnout. I left my job because I realized how unhappy I was. And now I get to pick my kid up from school. I'm like, oh, well, shoot. So like, we don't always know the impact of what we're, of what we're doing, but I just, there were so many nudges. There were so many things that were happening, being in community. Being in community is so powerful too. And that I went through heroic public speaking, a professional speaking training and being in community with those people where I was feeling silenced and muted at work in certain ways. But then around these people, I'm like, for the first time, singing and speaking on a stage. I'd never done that before. And they're like embracing it and they want more. And I had this sense of, oh, like this is what it means for me to sort of like peacock. Like I love peacocks. They're all over my house. They're, oh, I love that. Like yes. the back of my phone case is a peacock. They're everywhere. I have a stained glass. I, every, all over my house, peacocks. Uh, my friend for our pool, for our new house, my friend even sent me this giant two-seater peacock float. I love it. <laughs> it's so obnoxious. It's so great. So for me, that's when me, my embodiment of being unmuted, it's not the proud, arrogant part of the peacock. That's not ideal. But it's to be open and expressed and willing to be seen and embraced for all the beauty that you have to offer and all the fullness that you have to offer. That is my embodiment of what it feels like when I'm really unmuted. And those are some of the things. And my faith. I mean, my church community has been a significant part of my journey and my faith and just trusting that I've been divinely appointed to have an impact on people's lives in a powerful way. I trust. And my core, I believe that. I believe that. And so for me, it feels like I'm convicted. I feel convicted and compelled to do the work that I do because I feel like I've been given many gifts and many privileges and many opportunities and that I am to appreciate and embrace those things because of the impact I'm meant to have on other people. Well, that was beautiful. I'm so glad that I had typed that question out, I don't know, a month or two ago. <laughs> and I was like, make sure you ask this because... That might have been my favorite part of our talk today. And this was so rich. And I just want to reflect on a couple of things you shared. The power of borrowing someone else's belief in us. I could tell story after story. I even have some go-to, like I use a Mac and on my notes that go on my phone or anywhere I go, I save little emails about things when I'm like, gosh, that was so nice. They're saying 
you said that about me. I need to keep this over here so I can reflect on it on a bad day. Or looking at like LinkedIn, I used to say a long time ago, wow, LinkedIn and what people say about like their recommendations that they leave about us, reflect on that on a bad day. Because what people think, like sometimes we just need those things to build us up when we don't have actual community opportunities that moment or that day. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, I think the community piece of always be working on advancing your tribe, the people that are closest to you. Like the communities, I mean, whether it's the church community, you know, I was part of a church for 10 years. That was amazing. I still have so many great friends that went that go there, but I, I have advanced in what I needed in one niche of church. And now I have this other community just because I needed to kind of shift up on one area of what we needed. And oh my gosh, is it so amazing? And I'm so glad that I constantly worked on it versus even if I still was at this other church, I love it, but it's giving me something that I really needed. And we have to be in tune on that, like our friendships and constantly working on what is it, what's missing in the gap of our friendships and what do we really need? They, we can't keep the same friends exactly the same forever, the same church forever. Constantly work on your community. And then I love when you were talking about your faith, I have this new saying about being true to your North Star. Mm-hmm. And when we're true and understanding, like, what is it that we are focused on that is our North Star and how we make decisions or what it is that we're after in this life, everything starts to fall into place because it's like, no, I shouldn't do that. Yes, I should do that. And I love to say, oh, it helps it make the answer a hell yes. And we're only going to do it if it's a hell yes. Yeah. So gosh, this has been so good. Rachel, we could go on forever, but I know we need to wrap this up. And I want to have you share a couple of ways that people could join you in community. I know you do a number of things that people can join you in learning together or building relationships. What are a couple of those that you have coming up? Yeah. So connecting with me on LinkedIn and even sending a message. I know, Nikki, we both love getting messages from people and they say, oh, I heard you on this podcast. And they, they think, oh, I, I don't want to be a stalker or weird. Disclaimer, that's not stalkerish or weird. It's actually really validating and encouraging, <laughs> right? To get those kind of messages from people. Totally agree. Yes. So please send those. If you listen to this, let us know. Connect with us on LinkedIn. Send a message. I have a LinkedIn live show every other Monday where I talk to different people about their journey of getting unmuted. And we have fun. Sometimes I sing. I'm going to try to be like singing in every show because I know that's something that... It's a source of joy. Like Rachel just sings something in every show. So that's every other Monday. And you can just message me on LinkedIn if you're like, when's your next one? And I'll send you the... I'll let you know the date. So that'd be one place. Another place would be to connect on my website, which is unmutedlife.com. So I've got this podcast will be up there and information about the ways that I work with organizations, leaders, and teams as a speaker and a facilitator will be on there. Blog posts I've written around there, anything, any of all those updates. And then I would say I do a class called Speak Up, Be Your Own Advocate in the Workplace for Simon Sinek. So if you're like an individual that you're listening to this and I'm like, oh, I just want to learn how to do this better myself. You can, as an individual, go sign up for that class or just contact me. And it's at simonsinek.com. You go to classes, live online classes is where it is. And then otherwise you can just message me if you're like, Hey, looking to have you do something. So, and then the last thing I'll say is Instagram. It's at unmuted life. I know all this will be in show notes, but so yeah, LinkedIn website, cynic, Instagram. (laughs) Yes. And Rachel, make sure to send us our team, those things that we can link all that stuff in the show notes, just to make it super simple. So when you're listening, great. For those of you listening right now, you can just drop down the show notes and link straight out to whatever you're interested in to connect with Rachel. Rachel, my bright peacock friend, 
This has been so fabulous. I have absolutely loved this time with you today. And I know we have many other things coming up, like you're going to be doing an event with us for People Forward Network. And so we will continue the journey. But for now, we're going to take a quick break here from our sponsor message today. And we'll come back for two minutes of lightning round questions, which will be really fun. We'll be right back. If you're leading with a people-first mindset, which most likely you are because you're listening to Gut Plus Science, join People Forward Network, the largest community of humans on a shared mission to lead meaningful work. You can find us at peopleforwardnetwork.com or follow People Forward Network on LinkedIn. All right, Rachel Druckenmiller, this has been awesome today. I've loved having you on Gut Plus Science again for our second round. You will be back. We will do episode three. So but I know everyone's just waiting for it. But for now, let's do an update with our lightning round, which these are actually the same questions that we did a while back ago. So I'd love to hear maybe some, you know, if there's anything that's changed or things that are just cemented in. But the first question is, whether it's a favorite book of all time or favorite recent read, what would you like to plug to share with our audience? Favorite recent read would be The Power of Regret by Dan Pink read it. It's so aligned with the conversation today. It talks about the four fundamental regrets that people tend to have. And one of them is a regret of boldness. And if you are living unmuted, you are not going to have boldness regrets. Mm, So good. I'm putting that on my list. How about what's a current favorite hobby when you're not working? Singing. Love it. (laughs) I take voice lessons for the first time in 20 years. I signed up a year ago to work with a vocal instructor again. So every Monday, typically I have voice lessons. Oh, how great. That's awesome. Keep singing. I love it every once in a while when I get those updates on LinkedIn and I'm like, yes, it just is just such a great little break in my day. I love it. Keep doing it. (laughs) How about your favorite vacation spot or recent place you've gone that was lovely? Favorite vacation spot might still be the same as last time, Adirondack Mountains, upstate New York. That's just, we were there for two weeks last year, Burlington, Vermont, like such a beautiful, peaceful, calm, quiet area. So I would say that's my go-to. That's my go-to. Awesome. And the best way for listeners to connect with you after the show, LinkedIn? LinkedIn would be the, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Oh, it was such a gift to spend time with Rachel today. She so inspires me. I love her energy. You know, when you're around someone and their energy just fuels you and you're not even in their same space. I mean, this is like virtual that we're doing these recordings and Wow. That's just a testament right there. If your energy can fuel someone and it's over a virtual platform, let alone like when you're in the room with them. So kudos, Rachel Druckenmiller. Keep doing what you're doing. Here's my truth you can act on from our conversation today. Number one, the core of why we mute is fear. Find your blocks. What is at the core of your fear? Much of understanding the blocker is the reframing that helps us see that blocker differently. And then you start to overcome and speak up. Number two, leaders, ask for input. Don't assume. Ask your people, how would you handle this? Or what would you do in this situation? Or what could I do differently or better to X? Like, what could I do differently to better communicate? There's so much power in asking and not assuming. Number three, share your story. This effort helps build relationships. Being your true you. Hearing Rachel's story and just her tapping into who she is. And that is what has brought her to life. and just her business and her energy and power all comes from her sharing her story to be able to help others. And again, a friend that I'm honored to know. Number four, coaches and counselors are kind of a must. Both serve different purposes, but complement each other. And I think we have to have those types of people in our lives to get through the fear. 
you know, there's no going around it or over it. You have to go through it to get to the other side. Otherwise, it's just always still there. So Rachel and I talked about our experiences with coaches and counselors serving these different angles of assistance to help us get through and overcome. And number five, borrow others' belief in you. Those powerful texts and emails, save them. Handwritten cards that recognize you, save them and lean into them as often as you need. I love that concept of borrowing belief. I've definitely had those seasons of life. Rachel, thank you so much. We'll see you at our upcoming event. I can't wait until we collaborate together again for one of the events for People Forward Network. Can't wait. See you next time. Bye. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.